Hi listeners, I'm Carolina. And I'm Tessa. And together we are Femme Regard Podcast. Mmm, Femme. We are a show dedicated to educating and entertaining underdeveloped filmmakers and film enthusiasts alike. We love sharing our experiences as filmmakers, what we've learned and what we've gone through. And we love bringing on professional industry guests. We want our listeners to learn from the best and get an honest account of the biz. So come join the FemFam and give us a listen every Friday. Streaming on all the major podcast platforms, including YouTube and our website, femregard.com. And of course, the Geekscape Network. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on a regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why are you my facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. Holidays, everybody. This is the first episode of the newest show that I'm producing because God knows I don't have enough talking about Christmas. But there's only one person on this planet that I could ever have as a co-host on a show talking about Christmas, and it is my good buddy Dylan. Christmas! Christmas! Uh, I cannot wait to talk about Christmas and Santa and cookies and gingerbread and, and carols. Oh, and carols. <laughs> And the smell of sweet pine. Ah, I'm so excited. It's going to be a good time. And we're starting off with something a little different. So obviously, we're going to have different people on the show. Uh, Every once in a while, we'll do episodes that are just Dylan and I. But we will have guests coming on talking about their favorite Christmas specials or favorite Christmas memories. Or maybe we'll even have an interview with Santa Claus or anything that you can think of. But last year, I had my wisdom teeth pulled. And when it came time for me to finally get my wisdom teeth out, they said, when do you want to do this? And I said, I want sometime in December, because while I'm forced to lay on a couch for three to five days, I want to watch as many Christmas specials as I can. So I literally had stacks of DVDs and I was bouncing between the stuff that I owned and like the stuff that was streaming on Netflix that I had just never gotten around to. And I put on Let It Snow one night and just closed my eyes. I was like, this looks dumb. I'll just put it on. I'll close my eyes. I'll just listen to the movie until I fall asleep because I had like a little bit of a headache going on at that point. And all of a sudden, the dialogue started to pull me in. And I I suddenly wasn't tired anymore. And I was very focused in seeing where this movie went. And all of a sudden, I'm laughing. 
all of a sudden I'm searching out the songs that are in the movie so I can listen to them all the time. And then next thing I know, I watched this movie four times last year and I couldn't get anyone to talk to me about it because no one seemed to know it existed. So I knew the first episode of this podcast, since historically the first episode of podcasts are always going to be the most listened to one that I need it to use this time to let people know about this movie. And I was so thrilled to find out that Dylan had also not seen this movie. So this is the fifth time I've watched it. The first time for Dylan, Dylan, I've been following your posts on social media about this. Let's talk about how much you loved Let It Snow. I mean, so my experience with this movie is just as you described. I've never heard of this movie until you um, you had linked me to it. And my thought was, is this movie apparently came out last year, 2019. And I, w- I wasn't even sure that Netflix had even promoted it because I had, again, never heard of this movie, never seen it in my life. Honestly, you sent me the link to it and I'm looking at the poster and I'm like, this is going to be bad. I'm like, does Matt <laughs> like this ironically or, or, or how is this going to go? Because, I mean, uh, we, we, you host the Horror Movie Night podcast. I'm huge into horror. I work with Monster Mania and such. So, I mean, you and I have some weird taste in movies and things that we would call uh, good and enjoyable. But I'm sitting there last night watching this. And I'm just completely enthralled by it. I yeah. mean, from from the cast to the dialogue, like I, I posted it on Facebook. This cheesy teen on ensemble nonsense is 100%. Sorry for lack of a better term. My shit. Yeah. Like- <laughs> no, this this movie is the way that I sell it to people is that the first hour of the movie is Christmas Empire Records. And then the last 30 minutes is Christmas Can't Hardly Wait. Yes. And they're they're two of the best 90s teen flicks. And that's like at its heart and soul. If you remove the cast, because obviously the cast is a lot of fresh faces. If you had just shown me this movie and said that it was some forgotten 90s Christmas gem, I would have believed you because the pacing, the music, everything about it is so distinctly timeless. And that's what I re- like. Most of the music is like 70s and 80s deep cuts. Like it's not super ingrained in, yo, it's 2019. And I absolutely love this movie. This is not going to be the first time. I mean, this is the first time that I've watched it in 2020. It's certainly not going to be the last time I watch it in 2020. I will probably watch this movie four more times before the holiday is over because I just... I love it. I'm bummed that this every once in a while, Netflix will release a DVD of like one of their original movies. And I'm bummed at the concept that that'll probably never happen with this movie because I want to digest everything. I want the commentary tracks. I want <laughs> like whatever bonus features they can give me for this movie. I want it so bad. This movie is so good. I mean, never say never. I mean, it came out on Netflix last year, the 2020 season. But no one fucking knows it. I I know, but okay. But I went to our local Walmart and I'm looking at the DVD selection and it's it's just filled with Netflix originals and Shutter originals that I had no idea existed that look absolutely terrible. So, I mean, I'm not counting this out for a DVD release. I've seen worse movies get a physical release. Now I will say I can't guarantee you're going to get 
a a DVD or or Blu-ray chock full of extras. <laughs> <laughs> well, and apparently this is based on a young adult novel, and I've seen the young adult novel at Walmart before. So I think this year I am going to purchase that book and also read it. Dude, inject that directly into my veins. Like yeah, I want I'm- that so bad. There's not a bad thing about this movie. Like having watched as many times as I have, it is if you are someone who loves teen flicks, like this is the ultimate Christmas teen flick. So I want to talk to you about your favorite moments Uh, or at least let's start. Let's break down the different characters because we're we're following like seven to eight characters throughout the entire movie. But they're all like their own separate storylines. So like the thing that that caught my eye and I was texting you while I was watching it is this cast. It is a cast full of fresh faces. But at the same time, this is kind of the the who's who of of teen actors and actors in their early 20s. Now you have again, I could be totally saying this wrong, but uh, Kiernan Shipka. Uh, famous for her role as Sabrina in the chilling adventures of Sabrina. You have Shamik Moore, who was in one of my favorite movies of the past decade. Dope. Who else? You've got uh, Isabella Moner, who uh, played Dora in the uh, new Dora the Explorer live action movie. Uh, and yeah. was also in Instant Family. The one guy who seemingly runs the waffle shop has been in a bunch of movies recently. Um, specifically, I remember him from Blockers. Is that the guy who's the one from um, Halloween? The yes, yes, Miles Miles Robbins. Yeah, yeah, he popped up. I was like, and he pops up like forty five minutes into the movie, and I'm like, yeah. what in the world is happening? They literally like just ran the gauntlet, and we haven't even mentioned uh, Jacob battle on ned from the new spider-man flicks he crushes it in this movie and then you've got you know some of the like i won't say bigger names but the the older cast members with you know joan kuzak being the voice that kind of connects all the stories together and then i can never pronounce her name properly but uh the actress who played janet on the good place even has a brief little cameo yes yes it's a perfect cast honestly It's a really good cast. So let's break down uh, the different characters. So one of the main stories, the story that I'm, I won't say it's the one I'm most invested in, but it's the one that hits the closest to home for me is the story of Tobin and Angie, also known as Duke, which is your classic bread and butter teen flick story of male, female, best friends, hang out all the time. The guy is in love, but is afraid to say something because it'll break up the friendship. And the Duke is clearly also having those feelings. But since nothing's being said, they're not thinking anything of it. This one, what I love about this segment is that it introduces the character of JP. So Duke starts dating this guy, JP. And in every movie we've ever seen like this, JP ends up being a secret douchebag. And this movie doesn't do that. JP's like the one of the best people in this entire movie. He's so nice. One of my favorite lines is they're in a car, like a, a chase, like a car chase. And they keep saying like, they keep calling the car a bitch. And all of a sudden he's in the backseat and he goes, I know you're talking about a car, but uh, I'm also a feminist. <laughs> it killed me. It killed me. Oh my God. So good. The writing in this is phenomenal. Like it is 
so funny. It's so smart. It's so wacky. The like the all inclusive Christmas pageant that happens in the middle of the movie is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a Christmas movie. But the thing that stole the thing that really grabbed me and I mentioned it once before, but the needle drops in this movie are incredible. Before this movie, I had never heard of the song Hole of the Moon by the Water Boys. And it is like absolutely one of my favorite songs now. I listen to that song so much. It's such a pretty, perfect song. And then like a song that I thought only I knew, but Christmas TV by Slow Club pops up at one point. Yes. And I was like, holy shit. Like, (laughs) like, I was like, this soundtrack is amazing. <laughs> One of my favorite moments, um, I, can't, I can't remember the moment it happens exactly, but there's a, a song cuts on, and I'm like, wow, this is a Cure song I've never heard. So I, I like pulled out my phone, and I'm Shazamming it, and it's it's not. It's a band called Magic Bullets on top of the world. And yeah, I was like, oh, my God, like my mind was kind of blown because as you were saying, most of the songs on the soundtrack, they're coming from the 70s, 80s. But even the ones that aren't, they still have that particular style to it. It, It's it's a perfect blend. I have a question and I feel like it's a question that's going to come up a lot on this show. All right. Did you cry? So I won't say I full blown cried, but. I will say the moment that Stuart is talking to Julie, he's in her bedroom talking to her and explaining to her that he took a step out of his life. Because Stuart, um, for those of you who've never seen it, is this famous singer that everyone recognizes in this town. And he's ended up in this town because of a huge snowstorm. And the way that he's just explaining, like he stepped out of his life, he experienced her life. And you can tell like there's just a genuine love that he is actually feeling for Julie. Like that moment, I had such tears in my eyes. And he says a rhyme and he's like, I didn't mean for that to rhyme. Like, oh my God, dude. Oh, so good. Stuart also gives me my teary-eyed moment in this, but not during that. Um, So for me, and listeners of the show will figure this out very quickly, especially if you're not familiar with my other podcasts, and this is your first experience with Matt Kelly on a microphone, uh, I'm very close with my family. Uh, and there's nothing that I love more than like being able to be goofy around my family. So there's a scene where he meets Julie's family and they're sitting around the dinner table talking about what real music is. Are you talking and about he, the Mick Jagger scene? Yeah. They start, he puts on the song hundred years ago by Rolling Stones, which is my favorite Rolling Stones song. Now that I've heard it, I never heard it before this movie, but I was like, I was never a big Stones guy. I love this song. And the whole family tries to recreate how Mick Jagger walks. And it's really funny, but it's also one of those moments that is so sweet. And again, not to, I I feel like I'm harping this point over and over again, but like if this was a teen flick from the nineties, this would be one of those moments that we think about the same way we think about like Heath Ledger singing. You're too good to be true. Like it is such a funny but sweet and heartwarming moment. And every time that I've watched this, when that scene happens, I get a little teary eyed because it's just such a beautiful, you know, I we're going to dive into this a ton on this show, but like Christmas is so much more than the presents. It's more than Santa Claus. It's more than any of that stuff. It's, it's moments like this where you're just with your family and you're all smiling and laughing and having a great time. And this movie just captures that, that moment in that scene perfectly. Absolutely perfectly. 
It, it really, it really does. And the thing that keeps popping in my mind is you keep repeating that it's, it's, it reminds us of those, those teen movies from the nineties, those timeless movies that are funny. They're heartwarming. There was a movie that came out, um, I believe around 2009, 2010 that Disney put out called prom. And this movie was everything I wanted that movie to be. Yeah. Prom was a very big disappointment. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like. I bought that movie the day it came out. I'm like, oh my god, this is gonna be great. Like, as I said, teen ensemble comedies, hundred percent, like, are shit. So I was like, let's do this, and I put that on, and I was really disappointed. And when you had originally sent me the link to this, I was again getting that feeling of please let this be good. And watching the trailer, I saw like hints of kind of like Love Actually, and then the ripoffs of those Valentine's Day and and uh, I believe it was New Year's Eve. But then I sat down and watched it, and it's. It just tugs at the heartstrings, not in a way that that's going to make you cry, but it just it makes you feel warm as cheesy as that may sound. It just makes you feel warm. I genuinely think that this might be my new favorite Christmas movie. It's not it's not replacing any of the Christmas specials, mind you. But as far as Christmas movies go and obviously, you know, this is coming out in November. We're going to be. Regardless if we record episodes on it or not, this is the prime time for Dylan and I to be literally watching every Christmas movie under yes. the sun. So yes. so who knows? Maybe like rewatching Home Alone or watching It's a Wonderful Life or Miracle on 34th Street will change something for me. But this is like the same way that people feel about, say, a Gremlins or a Die Hard where it's a Christmas movie where they feel no awkwardness watching it any time of the year. That's where this movie sits with me, where it's like, this is the Christmas movie where it could be May and I'm going to put it on because uh, I'm going to use a phrase that a friend of mine used to describe the Gilmore Girls, but it's like a warm blanket. Like watching the movie is just like this comforting, warm blanket of just like, I want to be friends with these people. I want to be a teenager again, living the lives that they're currently living. Like it is all so exciting and sweet and funny and i mean really the only the only storyline that i am not 100% invested in is most of Addie's story. Really, until she starts hanging out with Joan Kuzak, I could care less about her character's storyline. Uh, and it takes them like a good 45 minutes to like pair those two up. Yeah, and I, I can I can get that. But before we get into that, I, I kind of want to take it back to what you were saying about this movie being the equivalent to you, like a Gremlins or a Die Hard. I can honestly watch this movie any time of the year. And I think that that may be because, and and I'm, I'm skeptical to put it this way, the Christmas in this movie isn't overbearing. No, it's very subtle. It's very, yeah. it's obviously Christmas time, but the movie's called Let It Snow. And it's, it reminds me a little bit of, and I, I feel terrible saying this because I love this movie, but it's a better version of Snow Day. You know what I mean? Like Snow Day isn't directly a Christmas movie. Yeah. But it's about the magic of snow days. Yes. Um, and and I think that that's what this movie really captures. There's obviously the Christmas pageant. There's It's very heavily implied that it is Christmas Eve. Uh, it's stated as such. But it doesn't feel like, you know, they're not going to malls. They're not sitting around a Christmas tree. There's no opening of presents. There's not even really Christmas carols. Like the songs that we've named, go and listen to Hole of the Moon or A Hundred Years or even the song Christmas TV. They're not Christmassy songs. No, not at all. 
it's really, and this is where I said earlier, it turns into Can't Hardly Wait. It's really just a movie about people trying to get to a Christmas party. And that's mm-hmm. the most Christmassy aspect of it. And I love like that whole storyline of, uh, I just blanked on his character's name in this, but Ned, the guy in the chair from Spider-Man. Hold on. Um, give, give me one second. I'll tell you what his name is. His name is DJ K-Star Pal Money. It's his name. <laughs> uh, but like his whole storyline of he's trying to throw this big party to impress a DJ. And I love the line where him and his friends have the beer and the parents come home and he quickly throws the beer back at his friend and says, don't tempt me with that. I won't drink until I graduate college with honors. <laughs> they have this idea of we're going to throw the biggest Christmas rager in the Waffle House. And I want to go to this Waffle House Christmas party so bad. <laughs> a Waffle House Christmas party is something that definitely needs to be on our bucket list, whether we, really- we rent out a Waffle House or something. Hey, if it this show picks up, we'll make that promise. Episode number one. If this show picks up where we can do live episodes, our first live episode will be at a Waffle House. Yes, 100%. <laughs> Which is great because I think you only need about 40 people to fill a Waffle House. So oh, I, oh my gosh. I just, I, I'll invite my entire family. We'll be good to go. <laughs> it could be a good deal for the Waffle House because most of them seem abandoned when I drive by them. <laughs> but... Uh, I love, I mean, that's that the Waffle House is where you get that Empire Records vibe. Yeah, you know, they refer to it as the awful house. It becomes its own setting. There's even a sequence on the roof of the Waffle House that is very reminiscent of Empire the, Records. The fixing of the sign. Yeah, the fixing. Of the sign. Dude, when I don't care if it's Empire Records or Let It Snow, there's also a part of my heart that like misses a beat when like the light comes on and you're just like oh it's back oh they're back up and running just like even just the discovery of that w uh is so is so fun like they just walk into a closet and it's just up on this top shelf hidden away and someone just stumbles upon it one of my favorite lines when they get up there and we're jumping around at this point this is actually like the very end but one of my favorite lines is when they look at angie and tobin and just go can we borrow some of that electric for a moment for the sign oh my god do billy uh miles rubens we were talking about him from from uh blockers and halloween yeah I feel like that's how he is in real life because every movie I've seen, he's played like the weird philosophical stoner kid almost. Yeah, I want to hang out with him. Yeah, he has a line where our DJ friend shows up and says that the universe is up against him. And he says, the universe has no plan for you. The universe is an infinite hug. And I was like, I love, I love that. And I feel like that is, you know, one of the things that's great about doing this podcast is a right now we're recording while we're still in the thick of a pandemic. Everybody yeah. on top of that pandemic has their own shit that's going on in their lives. And it's a real struggle to to be optimistic and smile yeah. a lot of the time. But man, when someone tells you that the universe is just one infinite hug for you, it is hard to not take that for a second and be like, you know, it is. It really is, isn't it? It is. Like it's it's just it tells you, you know what, you can't control the things around you. You can only control the way you are and who you are as a person. And I honestly I think that embodies the spirit of the holidays in general. Hi listeners, I'm Carolina. And I'm Tessa. And together we are Fem Regard Podcast. Mm, Fem. 
We are a show dedicated to educating and entertaining underdeveloped filmmakers and film enthusiasts alike. We love sharing our experiences as filmmakers, what we've learned and what we've gone through. And we love bringing on professional industry guests. We want our listeners to learn from the best and get an honest account of the biz. So come join the FemFam and give us a listen every Friday. Streaming on all the major podcast platforms, including YouTube and our website, femregard.com. And of course, the Geekscape Network. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. Yeah, so when I first saw this movie, I posted about it. Um, I was doing a thing on my Instagram story where I was literally posting for a review for every Christmas movie I watched that entire like month and a half. And when I posted about watching Let It Snow, my friend Ashley, who I guarantee will be on this show at one point or another, messaged me and said, my friend is in that movie. And I said, oh, who? And she went to acting school with the actors who play the two twins in the movie. Ah, the ripoff Bash Brothers. Yeah. So <laughs> so rewatching it this time, I was paying extra close attention to those two guys and they are so fucking funny. Yes. Uh, yes. I don't movie. I don't want ripoff Bash Brothers to be like any negative thing. But as soon as I saw them, I was like, huh, the Bash Brothers, especially because like the first scene they're playing broomball on ice. So that was the first thing that popped in my head. They also have a little bit of um, I, for, I don't know why I just forgot the one character's name, but uh, ice and the other character in uh, Hocus Pocus. We don't, we don't talk about Hocus Pocus around me, my friend. Oh, that's right. You are not a Hocus Pocus fan. I am not. I am not firmly against Hocus Pocus. I just don't believe that Hocus Pocus needs to be played 24 hours a day on Halloween. There are so many great Halloween films out there. This is my one shot on this podcast to shout out Paranorman. Make sure you go check out Paranorman as it's probably better than any Halloween movie you're going to watch this season. But back, <laughs> back to Christmas. Back to the season at hand. But ba- yes, back to Christmas. What with the twins, there's a scene at the very end. And this is like this is what I like about this movie. I talked about how JP kind of goes against your expectations in yeah. in the movie where he never shows his hand as a douchebag. He's just a literally genuine sweet guy. Um any other movie like this there would be some reveal that he's actually like this really trashy douchey guy. With the twins, it feels like it's building up to this big fight where Tobin's going to prove himself. And instead what happens is Tobin shows up to fight and goes through this insane speech and I one of the lines in the speech is Fear raccoons? Nuh-uh, not anymore. I went to a therapist three months later, got over it. And like, he goes on this crazy rant, and then there's this moment where it's looking at the twins, and they're just like, 
who is this guy? He's going about raccoons and shit. Get him a beer. Like they just fall in love with this dude because he's insane. All of these characters yeah. are so weird and insane, but it is so endearing. Speaking like, about weird and insane, can we talk about Dory for a little bit? Okay, yeah, let's talk about Dory for a little bit. So I back and forth on this character because I I, I totally get this character. And so a little bit of background on Dory. For those of you who haven't seen the movie, it's implied that she is hooked up with this other character. Her name's Carrie in, in the past. And they didn't just hook up. They spent the night together and they stayed up all night talking. Um, I believe their their common chat was about the first time they had watched The Goblet of Fire. Um, they're huge Harry Potter fans. And so we cut back to the Waffle House and Carrie is part of this, I, was it a dance troupe? I think they were cheerleaders. Okay, so they're they're coming in with this dance troupe, and Dory is stoked, because it's implied that she hasn't seen her since that night, and she's been thinking about her and everything else, and she approaches the entire group, and is is acting super strange, and is is devastated when the feeling is not reciprocated. And I think we're supposed, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like we're supposed to be mad at Carrie for acting the way she did. But I feel yeah. like Dory didn't put Carrie in the best situation there. No, no, and I agree. <laughs> first of all, let's talk about the first piece of this storyline, which yeah. is like, I feel like you and I, uh, as long as I've known each other, we both are at our core pretty hopeless romantic. 100%. Yeah. 100% so, hopeless romantic. Yeah, so like, look, you're telling me that you sat up until 4 a.m. talking about just geeky shit with someone and you fell in love like same sister. Yes, like 100%. Like, yep. like I there are always people that I have crushes on. You meet people. Hey, that person's cute, whatever. But when you have those like all night conversations with those people, that's like the moment the crush elevates itself to the next yeah, level. Yeah, like, totally, I totally. Totally get where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. Now, here's where I don't get where you're coming from. And maybe it's not my place to say, because the gender that I was born in is the gender that I feel. I have always just been a straight person. So I've never had to deal with the comfort of coming out. Yes. Yeah. And just because you've had a good, intimate conversation with somebody doesn't mean that they are out or that they are ready to be out. Yeah. And I think I agree. I think that she puts this character in such an awkward position. And, you know, the advice that she was given was like, yay, just go over and say, hey, there's going to be a party. You should come. And I think she goes to that table like six times before she just says that piece of the puzzle. Instead, she's talking about, oh, I was just thinking about you in the shower the other day. Like, like stuff that like, yeah. come on. You've got to know better. Read the room. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And and yes, it is awkward as two straight white males commenting on a storyline involving two gay female characters. But I feel like this is kind of transcendent almost of read the room the way you're yeah. going to act. Look, there's There are people that I have really big feelings for. And I think that they might have feelings for me too, but you know what? I'm not going to try to find that out is when they're sitting at a table with all of their friends. Like she, she was one line away from going, Carrie, you're my density. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> it's, 
It's not it's not a good move. Even mm-hmm. as we're talking about, like, this is a little bit of a who's who. The actress who plays Dory, Liv Halson, um, not like the biggest household name, but she was the daughter on the Santa Clarita diet. Oh, so good. So good. I, I have mixed feelings on that show, but her performance is like the standout performance throughout Definitely. the entire show. Yeah, I wanted to like that show more. I, I, I feel like I just could. I was confused because I feel like the show never really figured out how, like what the tone was. <laughs> I, I can get behind that. I'm a, um, I'm a Timothy Oliphant fanboy. Mickey is the best killer in scream. Sorry, everyone. I'll, I will accept that. I love me some Timothy Oliphant. I love him in scream Two. I love him in, uh, I believe it was live free or die hard when he yeah when he was in i mean we can address the elephant in the room he's a really good actor <laughs> so good so good and we're, i know we're off on a tangent but um santa Clarita <laughs> diet i liked it first season for sure i don't think i paid much attention after the first season but i watched all three seasons in one weekend and i feel like that may have been a mistake um, yeah but- that's that's a lot for sure but yeah, you know what? You're probably we're probably still on lockdown by the time this comes out. If you if you've exhausted all of the other things on your Netflix queue and you haven't watched it, throw it on. Why Stay not? Clear to diet. Go ahead. I'll, I'll I'll fit it in with my twentieth community rewatch. Exactly, dude. That's I calculated how many seasons of TV I have left to watch between my Netflix queue, my Hulu queue. And my Amazon Prime and Disney Plus, and I still have 234 seasons of television that I have to get through. So, so you know what? Pandemic can keep going as far as I'm concerned. It's, I need, I want to clear it out. <laughs> it's the worst, and I, it's, I mean, it's all about comfort, right? We're all looking for comfort food. So, as much as we want to watch these new things, I find myself just. Let me rewatch this. Let me rewatch Community. It makes me feel good. Let me let me rewatch Thirty Rock. Let me let me watch Scott Pilgrim for the thousandth time. Like, See, for me, it's almost been exclusively new discovery. But I've okay. basically categorized like shows that I care about, like The Boys. I won't watch The Boys Monday through Friday while I'm at work. Like I'll save those for like a Saturday Sunday. Something that is perfectly acceptable background noise, like a Downton Abbey, like that's been a great workday show because I really don't like it that much. But I just it's it's like a soothing like hum. Sure. <laughs> it's just like, oh, it's just people speaking British and like a very pretty theme song. So like that's all I really need to hear every hour is that comforting piano piece. And I'm like, oh, OK, cool. Days I'm, in, over. I'm, in, I'm in my safe space. Yeah, it's like a cuckoo clock for me. I know every yeah. hour that's passed when I hear <laughs> Downton Abbey theme. <laughs> Let it snow. We we've got this just like all the storylines, they all come together at this big party. And just every character, you you want to see every character succeed. And like every character does ultimately succeed in their own little ways in be it big wins or little wins. So like, I I think that ending it with uh, our DJ friend, please tell us uh, his full DJ name again. DJ K star pal money. Yes. Uh, You know, it ends with him saying that the, the big DJ that was supposed to show up and see his party and possibly sign him for big gigs didn't show up. But he's fine with it because he's having a great time with his friends. And like, 
I mean, if that ain't the Christmas message right there, you know what I mean? Like, it's about having a great time with your friends. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the thing he was looking forward to the entire time. And he 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 looks at um, he looks at Billy and he just goes, you know what? I'm okay with it. I don't feel yeah. that bad. So I have a question for you. We've yeah. only gently touched on the tinfoil woman. Oh, okay. Joan Cusack, who drives around wearing tinfoil and really a sweet character at at her core. They they definitely spend the first half of the movie making you think that she's some crazy conspiracy theorist. And maybe she is. She dresses in all tinfoil. How do you feel? This is like the thing that I bounce back and forth about them never explaining the tinfoil. So she is both, and you just touched on that, she is both one of my favorite characters and least favorite characters of this movie for that exact reason. As we keep going back to that joke of, uh, why do you wear the tinfoil? Ah, nope, nope, don't. Yeah. So in my opinion, I'm like, okay, the writers just kind of wanted to put this chicken tinfoil, make her seem crazy, didn't actually have a good idea on why she is dressed in all that tinfoil. And not once was I like, ha 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 ha. Yeah. They're not going to tell us like, like it was this run on joke that just didn't work for me at I all. Storyline is my least favorite storyline because like from any, and this is obviously coming from two guys who haven't, you know, written a, t- a, sc- a successful screenplay, but yet, yet we're going to get yet. there, my friend. Well, but, but like to me, Addie's storylines, like beyond the fact that she becomes comfortable with being single and like appreciating the friends that she has and all of that, her storyline should also end with her developing a friendship with the tinfoil lady where the tinfoil lady feels comfortable telling her why she wears the tinfoil. And like, I would even be okay if we, the audience don't know, but like, yeah, for how much it's been built up, it should have been like a lost in translation type thing at the very least where she explains to Addie, okay, I'll tell you about the tinfoil because I feel like Addie's dropped so much of her stuff to get on tinfoils level that like, there's never that full exchange back. And you know what? That would have been almost a joke that worked if she was yeah. like, you know what? I'll tell you credits or something yeah. like or, 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 or cut back to the party. And we never find out about it. Like, like <laughs> they can have that bond. We don't have to find out about it, but someone should find out about it yeah, for sure. Someone, someone should know. And I think that that would be like the ultimate. Honestly, I feel like it would be like the ultimate moment of trust too is like she has the secret she keeps the secret with her at all times she will not tell anyone about it but in their time together she's willing to like drop her guard for this one girl who's going through a really rough day and maybe not realizing how difficult she's been as a friend to other people that like tinfoil woman offers this olive branch or at least i don't know her actual name because it seems crazy that i have to refer to her as tinfoil woman woman. while discussing this but i don't want to say too much more i feel like we've done a good job of talking about all of the characters and all the moments without actually spoiling too much of where the storylines end up but obviously if you've seen any teen flick or any christmas movie you you know who's going to end up with who and how the chips are going to fall but watch this guys i'm telling you i would love 
I mean, this is egotistical to the nth degree because this is like the first episode of our show. So there's no metrics on anything. It, but, it's only going up from here, my friend. But I would, I would love, love to find out that like Netflix is just like, I don't know what's happening, but everyone's watching suddenly <laughs> this Christmas season. So we're making Let It Snow too. Yeah. We're going to put out that DVD for that one guy with the podcast. Yeah. And uh, uh, Shout Factory is going to put it out. So it's going to be loaded with features. Yeah. Oh, God. Shout Factory. Shout Factory would. They would. They they wouldn't hurt me like this. <laughs> that is Let It Snow. Uh, highly recommended. Obviously, the next time it's just the two of us, I will be letting Dylan pick something for us oh, to watch and discuss. So, you know. also justice for Addie. I, I know. I know. We were just talking talking poorly on Addie. She's your fa- she's your least favorite part. And I'm sorry. I know we're trying to wrap this up, but I gotta talk about Addie just for a minute. Go for it. I feel bad about Addie because I've been Addie. You you know what I'm saying? Especially that person who's so invested in their relationship that they yeah. throw all their friends. See, I've never had the opportunity to be an addict. <laughs> so, <laughs> but so. but at the same time, I've also been that person. Like, why are you not responding to me? Like, you have your phone in your hand all the time when we're hanging out. Like, why are you not responding to me? What are you doing? And then to come to that realization that, oh, I've been right this entire time. Like that sucks. So yeah. I, I I identify with Addie as terrible as a friend as she can be at times. I, I do identify with Addie as well. And and again, I think this comes back to the JP thing we we're talking about. But there is something to be said about this movie where there are no real villains. No, even the twins aren't really villains. They're just like dudes who don't realize that their fun, their idea of fun is detrimental to other people around them. Yeah. I mean, again, love this movie. We'll preach this movie to the ends of the earth. Dude, a hundred percent. This movie ended. I was texting people and I'm like, Hey, we need to watch this movie when it gets closer to Christmas. Just a heads up. And I'm, I'm excited for you to join me as one of those people that just cannot stop listening to whole of the moon. For sure. For sure. It is just such a, Oh my God. And every version of it, be it like the song on the radio or just like them playing it on the pipe organ in the uh, empty church. Like every time that it comes up, it's great. That's what I want. You want the DVD. I want them to release a soundtrack of the songs, not like the actual songs, but the songs that were in the movie, like the songs that Stuart sang and them Mitchell Hope and Kieran and Shipka doing the duet yeah. in the church. Like that's what I want. Real quickly, God, we there's so much to talk about still. <laughs> but Tobin cutting his nipple trying to shave his chest. Oh my and God. that and that just popping up. Because that's the other thing. He's like, this guy's over here dressed all crazy, bleeding out his nipple and talking about <laughs> raccoons and shit. <laughs> I forgot all about the cutting of the nipple. <laughs> It's such a it's it's so funny because it really is like I I think the reason why I keep going back to the 90s teen flick when I say the aesthetic is that the 90s teen flick had this really weird thing where the movies absolutely existed in some form of reality, but there was always this extra wacky aspect to all of them yes yes and like this movie has that where it's like it's kind of realistic but ultimately it is just goofy enough that it breaks from reality and you can enjoy the like reoccurring theme of the bleeding nipple or (laughs) or the you know the awful house or the dj party in the waffle house like all of that stuff is like just like 
Italian chef kiss, like just perfect. And I, I can't imagine that these were like happy accidents at all in this movie as well. Like the callbacks, we talk about them fixing the light. Like that's a callback to empire records. If it's not like that, there's, there's an issue there. There's a callback to, or maybe it's not, but high fidelity in the beginning when Tobin and the Duke are in the record store and Tobin's holding up the, the Marvin Gaye, let's get it on record. Like, I mean, high fidelity popped right in my head. I, yeah. I don't I don't know why there's just so many different callbacks that just popped in my head that if they weren't intentional like I I, I don't care I love it's it the, it has to be yeah it would have to be like a subliminal mistake at that point yeah yeah there's just so like I feel like I I could literally watch this movie on a weekly basis like this this is one of those movies similar to like let, let's talk about this as our wrap-up okay. what are some movies do you have movies that regardless on the quality of the film, because usually they're not quality films, but they're a comfort to you that like you have watched them upwards to a hundred times just because of the way that they make you feel or like the place that it brings you back to. I feel like that's the big thing is usually when you're watching it, you are like for a couple seconds, time machine, like quantum leaped, back into you as like a 12 year old watching it for the first time. <laughs> Not so much um, like the 12 year old. I, I don't want to get too like into the nostalgic, but I do have those like comfort movies and, and thinking about that, uh, we keep talking about empire records. Empire records is definitely on there. Will always be honestly wet, hot American summer is, Ooh, is, is, is on there for me. SLC punk is, nice is definitely on there especially like just that realization at the end that he has where he's like you know what i i gotta get my life together like i I gotta get my act together and we all have that moment in life and if you don't you end up like i don't know if if you've seen it recently or you remember the characters in the movie devin sawa's character who never grew and ended up homeless on the street yeah. And it's like you have to you have to have that moment of growth, that moment of realization that I need to get my act together. And that honestly made me feel good because I'm like, I'm like, yeah, like, yeah. And he did it. I'm going to sell out. I don't care. Like, <laughs> You don't sell out. You buy in. Exactly. Um, so, exactly. So for me, it was the, the three big ones time and time again for me are Can't Hardly Wait. OK, that movie has always been a weird comfort to me in the weirdest times of, in my life. American Pie 2, not not one, Ooh. but part two. It was the first DVD that I ever owned. And it for a while, it was the only DVD that I owned. So it got played very frequently. Yes. <laughs> in my yeah. House. And then the tying into Jason Biggs a second time. Loser. 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 Oh, my God. Yes. There was like as a sad emo kid wishing that he could find his gothy Mina Savori. I must have watched Loser hundreds of times during like high school. Just lonely Saturday nights or like during summer vacation, just popping it on. And I'm sure the fact that it's a short movie, like it's maybe an 80 minute movie was like a big factor as well. Cause it was like, Oh, it's 10 o'clock. Like I'm not super tired. Ooh, losers pretty short. And I would like put that on over and over and over again. That's like one of the, I mean, there's a lot of these cause I was always a collector, but that's like one of those movies where it's like, I had it on VHS. I had it on DVD if they put that thing out on Blu-ray, I'll probably buy that too. Like 
it's one of those movies that I know is probably not actually a good movie, but it is a masterpiece well, like, in my eyes. Yeah. And and speaking on on that, the way we view things different nowadays, like that movie I loved as as a kid and as a teen. I loved uh Zach Orth, Thomas Sadowski, and Jimmy Simpson's characters, the the raver roommates that were that now watching it now, I'm like, you guys are horrible people. So the craziest thing was when I realized that that movie was a teen flick version of The Apartment. And I was like, oh my God, that's brilliant. Yeah. It is beat for beat the movie, The Apartment, which is a Christmas movie and will be discussed at some point <laughs> during during our 365 episodes of Christmas 365. But you know what, Dylan? First episode down, I think this was a pretty good time if people loved your opinions on let it snow and want to read more of your opinions is there anywhere where they can go to do that they can head to icon versus icon.com icon vs icon.com you can also check us out on instagram at icon versus spelled out icon twitter icon versus icon or on facebook icon versus icon and if you just need to hear more of this sexy podcasting voice say it slower boy howdy are you in luck because i've got like seven shows uh horror movie night is the main show that i produce and host but i also do this show i do my favorite episode of i do one hit thunder i do the roaring 20s podcast sometimes on mic but all of the time behind the scenes on the soundboard. And this has been Christmas 365. We're putting this one out right before Thanksgiving because Dylan, it's Christmas time, baby. It's 100% Christmas time. In my opinion, there is no Thanksgiving. It's pre-Christmas, y'all. Woo! Hi listeners, I'm Carolina. And I'm Tessa. And together we are Femme Regard Podcast. Mmm, Femme. We are a show dedicated to educating and entertaining underdeveloped filmmakers and film enthusiasts alike. We love sharing our experiences as filmmakers, what we've learned and what we've gone through. And we love bringing on professional industry guests. We want our listeners to learn from the best and get an honest account of the biz. So come join the FemFam and give us a listen every Friday. Streaming on all the major podcast platforms, including YouTube and our website, femregard.com. And of course, the Geekscape Network. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why did my f- facing Floyd Mayweather in the f- 
Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 